Coming up, today's guest is the Chief Commercial Officer at Lockwood Publishing, the creator of the virtual 3D world, Avakin Life. I actually mispronounce it in the episode, but it's Avakin Life. We do a complete deep dive on live ops for games and examples that would work even for casual games. Also, he shares his thoughts on why indie devs are the future of the app economy. Stay tuned. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. B7Dev.com is the one-stop shop for all your app development needs. They can help you with design, development, and even marketing. Plus, they're offering an exclusive discount just for the App Masters community. Check them out at B7Dev.com. Want to advertise through Snapchat influencers at scale? Check out fanbytes.com and see why brands like Universal and Sony Music use them to market on Snapchat. Learn more at fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place, the podcast, the blog, the YouTube channel that you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And today I've got a phenomenal guest for you. He's been, I mean, he works for some phenomenal, phenomenal companies. And today he's here to share all about live ops, which is something that I'm very fascinated about, but I know nothing about. So it's going to be action packed for you guys. So let me introduce the guest for you. His name is Oliver Kern. He's the chief commercial officer at Lockwood Publishing, the creator of the virtual 3D world, Akav. Akakin Life. He's also a board advisor and for a number of mobile game companies, including Cherry Pick Games, which Martin's a past podcast guest and a past client of ours as well. So without further ado, Oliver, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, welcome. All right, Oliver, so let's start with Live Ops. What? Okay, to those who haven't heard about the term, might be a little bit new to this. What is Live Ops? And then how do you guys think about, how do you approach Live Ops? So life ops in in general is uh, uh, is once once you launch your app is the start of of uh, the whole product life cycle um, and uh, we look I, I mean I work almost entirely with game companies and there we basically see the launch of an app as this starting point to to kind of push it into a life operation and a life service that means that um, Players can kind of enjoy this app uh, and discover this app years and years going forward. So it, it it doesn't stop, and you can see that also with with some of the big big titles that have launched in like 2013. Now it's five years later, and if you compare like a Candy Crush or a Clash of Clans or whatever you take um, with how it launched, it's a completely different game, um, and. Everything that happens in that period is, is I would say, is life operation. There are definitely different aspects to it. There is, on the one hand, like uh, developing uh, new features, um, uh, adding content, etc. Um, but a large part of it is also kind of really tweaking the experience, honing that so that uh, the major- majority of the users who actually come in really, really enjoy um, what, what they see there. Now, I've always thought about live ops as having certain events 
within a game to make sure that people come back. So whether it's, you know, like a daily event or something where they bring it up, is there anything more? I mean, what am I missing from just that very like small, quick true. little overview? Yeah, no, that is, that is absolutely true. I mean, uh, kind of the, the events and event cycle, um, is, is definitely a large part of also that something that keeps the app alive, but it can also be, you know, ongoing, uh, feature development, ongoing improvement of, of the experience, etc. So that I would say is also part of life operations um, to kind of make sure that the app gets better and better over time. Um, what are you, how early are you guys looking at this stuff? Like when you're in the soft launch phase, Oliver, like what are you looking at from a live ops perspective? What are the metrics that you're looking at there? Well, if you're, if you're kind of, uh, pre-launch you 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 already start thinking about okay so what is going to happen uh you know in in the week after launch uh what is going to happen in the month after launch there are certainly some things and features that uh don't make it into launch and they they will still then be developed but it is then also kind of you know uh, providing in an ongoing fashion uh content new content fresh things to the users um, events, creating like a real event schedule, automating that as much as possible, as well as, you know, providing more and more and more, uh, content if that is what the app is about. So it now, really, it depends. Yeah. As a game producer or game developer, are you thinking about like almost like an author, right? You got to write this story. Like, is that the best way of approaching live ops too? Yeah, I, I would say so. So if you take in a game like Episodes, um, Life Ops is also kind of creating new stories or, uh, you know, uh, um, if, if they're almost like a daily soap format, you would, you know, create more chapters uh, into into this kind of endless, uh, endless storyline. Um, that is also part of Life Ops equally, or as it is, for, for example, for Lockwood, we've now over the last few years published probably something like 15,000 um, virtual items that you can uh, wear as an avatar mm. um, or, you know, sofas and kitchenette and all these kind of things to decorate your apartment, etc. And we have our life ops to a large degree is also to kind of have uh, twice per week uh, publishes of, of new content where, where users know every Thursday, okay, there will be something something new to see. Um, so it's, we also have events and these kind of things for sure. Lots of them as well. And there is a proper event calendar, but it's also this kind of regular thing that users really get used to. And they kind of create habits around it where it's like, okay, I know I, I have to check in on Thursday because then I can see what are the new clothes, uh, that, that have been launched this week. Or, um, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, there is a new update coming and what is, what is the country that, uh, is now going to be in the focus? Uh, these kind of things. Um, so, yeah. Now, I know you guys work with, like, I know you're an advisor to Cherry Pick Games. Like, are there ways that we can incorporate live ops into like, more casual games? Absolutely. Um, I, th I think you you even have to. Um, you have to find ways to kind of keep your keep your game fresh um, because it's not only about you know uh, in, uh, leveling up um, if it's if it's a game around that or. Uh, earning more coins or something like that. You have to create like on on the same core mechanic. You have to create then probably events 
um, that happen regularly where there is like an additional challenge, something, something additional that you can actually do that kind of refreshes it. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's kind of the, the magic there. And that is what keeps, keeps a game alive and what keeps also the users come coming back. Um, I mean, I remember I used to work long time ago. I used to work for, uh, for Jagex. Um, we had RuneScape, a very, very big MMO and, Every Easter, every Christmas, there were lots and lots of players that only came for these events. So if you do uh, events twice a year, big events, yeah, then the users will come come back twice a year. If you do an event every day, the users will come back every day. Um, so th- that is something really that you should bear in mind when you're kind of developing your app. Uh, you know, how do I make it give this additional challenge? Um, next to kind of the core experience. Now, I've always pointed to this as with the Crossy Road because I thought like this was one of the first times I've seen this, especially for such a casual game, but maybe because that's when I actually got involved. And you tell me if this is a part of the live ops too, Oliver, is that when they do these gifting things, when they're like, hey, bonus, you know, eight hours to your bonus. And it's kind of like, all right, I want this bonus. You know, I can unlock some characters. I'm going to have to come back in eight hours. And that's when they ask you, hey, do you want to enable push notifications so that we can remind you of this bonus? I thought they did a great job of like being a very, very casual game with, let's face it, like not much going on in terms of just like the gameplay itself, but like very like unique in terms of always feeling like it's different every time you play it, but bringing you back, like saying, okay, hey, come back for this free bonus gift. Yeah, I think that is that. Yeah, I mean, I I do believe that for every app, you have to find your own kind of thing um, that that you want to do, and the way you want to kind of surprise and 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 uh, yeah, and and create some joy for the audience that actually really loves your product. You just want to. They are always. That's our human nature, I believe. Um, they're always looking also for something new, and if you can give that in that app that they already love. Um, that's when they will stick around. I mean, there are lots of lots of games and companies that are prime example uh, for that. So, I mean, take Subway Surfers as an as another example, right? They also kind of uh, you know uh, c- create experiences around the world, basically, and uh, and that's why the people come back and back and back and back um, because there is something new. You come in for for a new, fresh reason. Um, um, and I think that is important. Uh, if you don't have that, your game will basically launch, and from there on, it will just start a hopefully slow decline. I love it. Hey, Oliver, if you can do me a favor and put Do Not Disturb on your laptop, I'm hearing a little bit of at the email notifications and Slack notifications coming on. But So if you don't mind, I can hear all those as well. Yeah, but, yeah sorry. I, no I was problem. Yeah. What I want to get into next is... Talk about play space. And I know it's an online multiplayer. You know, they do a lot of online multiplayers. And I want to talk about like, how do you actually launch something like that? Because the biggest concern is you bring users in and then maybe they don't have anybody to play with. Like, well, how do you balance all that stuff? But before I do, I want to thank my first sponsor, B7Dev.com. If you're looking at for an app development firm that can really help you scale up, or if you're already at scale and you want to offload some of the things that you don't want to get to, go check them out. They are a longtime sponsor of the show and somebody I've used and trust trusted. I know a lot of people who have gone in and said, thank you, Steve, for recommending them. They're doing great. And they really don't, the big benefit is they try to make it affordable for you. So they're trying to really help my community and the indie developers as part of the community so that when you're ready to just get started on your first app or you're now 
making money on your app and you're ready to grow it a little bit more and add more updates and add more live ops like Oliver is talking about, then that's what they're there for. They're here to, they're there to be with you in the very beginning and help you scale as you continue to grow as well. I've used them for a long time and they've been a long time sponsor of the podcast as well. So if you're ready to get started, go check them out. It is the letter B, the number seven, dev.com, b7dev.com. All right, Oliver, Oliver kind of teased it with play space, but let's talk about them. Like when you're thinking about a multiplayer game, it's things that people have to play together. Like how do you go about like launching this? I'm always afraid, maybe because it's the pessimistic in me. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness, are enough people going to be there? How do I make sure there's enough activity? How do I do, what do I, how do I think through this? Yeah, I mean, that is always kind of the, the big challenge um, around uh, multiplayer games, uh, even in, in like a soft launch, et cetera, to kind of get to, something statistically meaningful where you actually really simulate also the real kind of user behavior. If it's then only a few concurrent users, it's extremely, extremely hard. So what you have to, what, what I usually do is in soft launch, then really just, uh, you know, launch or, or do user acquisition over a very, very short and very condensed time frame. So you say like, okay, we're only going to do, uh, UA on Saturday, as an example, we're going to spend a lot of money, which means it's also going to be quite expensive, but at least the users that then will come in and they should all then be also in a similar time zone, um, uh, actually are able to kind of play against somebody else. There is obviously always also the opportunity to kind of, uh, have some modes where there is, you know, you play against bots and these kind of things. Um, that's also a way, but sometimes it, it, it just doesn't simulate it well enough. Um, yeah, but uh, that is always a big challenge. Uh, and the more concurrent users you need to actually really understand that, the bigger your risk is. Because you might have a great game, it just if it's empty, nobody will love it. And uh, yeah, that's then you might pull the plug even though it would be worth continuing with it. And then with that type of games, is it like live ops, like having different events, hey, tournaments on this day, you know, like these type of things that help bring users back? Absolutely. That's that's crucial for, 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 for these kind of games. So with PlaySpace, uh, we have, on the one hand, we have uh, like a, a bingo game. There it's about, you know, different uh, game rooms that launch different kind of uh, mechanics that these rooms have, you know, on like a whole content threat treadmill, as well as, you know, new rooms, new experiences, all these kind of things. Um, in, in the more kind of traditional board games that are also multiplayer, then it's really specific events, uh, you know, tournaments and these kind of things that kind of keep the players coming back. The important thing is that these events should also never kind of be on one, on one same level in terms of how much you have to engage with it, for example, to get a certain reward or something like that. That should also vary. It should never feel like, oh, this is just additional grind and it's always the same so you have to kind of make some variation there in 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 the balance of these events they can always be very similar but they should be different in terms of how much you have to engage uh with with uh with the event Mm -hmm. in order to kind of get your reward for example you know i always point to the big successes and because people look at a game like Crossy Road or Color Switch and think like, wow, that's so simple. Like, it's so stupid. But it's what you said, Oliver. Like, how do you add variability, I guess, variability without like 
changing much in a way. And I think Color Switch does that really well. I think Crossing Road does that really well. And these are very casual games where I think you come into the app and every time you play it, it feels a little bit different, although the main game mechanic is pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, the game developer doesn't stop, right? Uh, and that's kind of the beauty, um, you know, with, with with the game platforms that we have these days, it doesn't have to stop. There is no gold master and that's it, and you move on to the next project. Actually, if it's reasonably successful, you would basically continue to to evolve that product. And also with Crossy Roads, it's nowhere what it, what it was uh, to when they launched. Um, and even with the most casual games, you can build events around certain types of missions where you say like, okay, I have to, I don't know, I'm, I'm currently uh, playing a lot of uh, the, the, the fish game from Voodoo Fishmaster. I mean, there you could do life ops. You could do events where you just have to catch a certain amount of a specific type of fish, for example, um, in, a, in a given time, and you get something extra or whatever, a sticker, or it doesn't really matter even, but something new and something fresh. The, the game mechanics stays the same. You're still uh, uh, catching fish, but you know you have like a special mission just on that day. These kind of things really make uh, make uh, make users come back. I love it. Love now it. I've always thought about live ops as more of a retention metric, and I know Matt Matthew Hall, who made Crossy Road part of the team, but he always said, "I was like, how did you think about monetization?" It's like, look, all I thought about was retention. I knew I, I knew if I got retention right, I was going to make money. But let's get into the nitty gritty, Oliver. But like, I always thought of live ops as more of like a retention metric or a retention reengagement type of thing. But how do you try to make money off of live ops too? Well, I mean, I, I can I can only second second those thoughts because it is at the end of the day, it is all about retention. If the users are there, you will be able to kind of monetize them. Um, you can kind of tweak that and be, uh, you know, more aggressive or less aggressive. You can monetize through, through ads or through in-app purchases or whatever. But if a user doesn't like what he sees and he doesn't feel there is a reason to come back, um, then he also won't, yeah, he won't spend any money. He won't watch any videos or anything like that. You You have to give people the perspective like, okay, here's something new every day or every week or something like that. It's much easier to kind of invest in a, in a game either by time or by money if you know you're still going to play this in a month's time. If you feel like, yeah, this is kind of nice and here's a special offer for $4.99, but will I still play this in a week's time? Probably not. You're not going to convert into a paying user, right, if it's about in-app purchases. And you're also not going to, invest as much uh 30 seconds of your life uh to get some in-game currency from a rewarded video if you feel like yeah it's kind of okay but i'm not going to invest really much time in this game in the long term right i see i see the there's i'm going to try to find the person who said it but i love the way he approached it but he said you know i monetize off of somebody's impatience and I was like, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Brian, Brian Mashinter, he's with Wunga now, but he was at Backflip Games. He's like, look, we monetize off of impatience. So is there a way that like maybe using Akakin Life, is, that, is there a way that you like to sort of monetize too? Well, there we've just, um, you know, you can you can do everything for, for free. Um, however, if you want to kind of really um, do the real cool stuff, in 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 the fashion game in Avakin, if you want to kind of uh, get the real cool dress or or 
whatever super cool tattoo or something like that for your mm -hmm. avatar. Um, yeah, then there is a point where you say like, okay, I can kind of grind my way through maybe to it, but in essence, at some point I will spend money. But you have to be also willing to do that. So the, the app needs to allow you to, to have that vision of, I love it, I'm still gonna do this, I'm still gonna chat with other people in a month's time, and I love the environment, the people that are there, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, then I'm also willing to spend a few dollars, right? Um, otherwise, it's really, really hard to convert a user. Is there, a, like, there's always this fine balance, and you know, I deal with this too, where you're trying to be a little bit aggressive because you gotta make money, right? It has to be a profitable game, but also balancing that, you know, you want the user to feel good and make sure they were, they're ready to buy type of thing. How do you guys balance that out? Yeah, you have, well, yeah, you do, I, I don't think you have to be super aggressive. Um, I, I think, you, because if you're super aggressive, it means you're basically showing somebody the big paywall. Um, and I, I'm not so sure that that is the right strategy, actually. I, I think, yeah, you have to give people sometimes some special offers, etc. There is certainly also some psychology if you kind of, give people again and again the understanding, okay, this costs money, this costs money, this costs money, and then at some point, hey, this still costs money, but it's really a super deal. Yeah, then at some point you will, uh, you, you may convert, but you will only convert if you really enjoy the product. I mean, people are much smarter than they were like four years ago or something in terms of spending money in games. There's a game that my son and I loved so much called Monsters, Monster Legends, and it got to the point where we spent a lot of money and we got to like level 100, Oliver, and we both loved the game. So we were both playing it together on his iPad and it got to a certain point like, man, we didn't mind paying to advance. Obviously, we needed to upgrade our monsters, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, I can't beat this level unless I pay. And so all of a sudden, we just stopped playing after a while. It's like, I can't yeah. pay, afford to pay more. And it, it was that weird. Look, they got me a long time because I played to get to 100. It took, it took me a long time, but I just couldn't pass that level without like really spending some legitimate dough with them. Yeah, I mean, I had similar experience. I wanted to find out why an Ebony clone would be so successful on mobile. So I started playing Game of War and ended up spending about $800 and it felt good. Um, and I played the game straight every freaking day for probably one, one and a half years. And then they kind of added, uh, the max level was 30 and I did reach that uh, on in many things. And then they increased to level 31 and that was so, so steep that I just said like, no. This is this is I, I'm not going to do this if it takes three years to kind of level up this building. This is not going to happen. So then I basically quit. Yeah. It's it, it made me feel sad. I was like, this is a, like a great bonding time for me and my son. And unfortunately, it just got to the point where I was like, man, so I mean, I wanted but you like you I think you put it best like the steep was so much that we just were like, forget it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All right. A bit of a, yeah. Sorry. Is there anything you want to add? No, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. If they if they would have uh, not been as aggressive and greedy, I would have continued and I would have probably spent more money. But yeah, I love it. All right, so let, let I want to sort of talk about this and maybe end with this as well. Persistence. I know you talked about this a little bit too. I think this is the hard part for me, Oliver. It's like sometimes there are days when I just 
don't want to, I want to shut it down. <laughs> like, I just want to go watch a movie, eat some popcorn and just relax and not have to work. How do you grind through the the tough times? Cause you said, you know, that's one of the reasons why you've been able to be successful. These game companies that you've been able to advise, they become successful because just for, just for pure persistence. Yes. I mean, you can be super talented and that's all great. You can have, you know, the best people in the world, but at the end of the day, if you want to if you want to go somewhere, go places, then you have to be very persistent. Um, yeah, not uh, basically not giving up. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a marketer. For me, mobile marketing has always been about you know trying, 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 not giving up. Um, and the same counts for for development and looking at the stats there, what they tell you, and uh, creating like a hypothesis why maybe the retention drops on. Uh, on day or why retention on day seven is not as good as you would hope it is. And then trying to kind of work your way to, to kind of get to those numbers. And if you're persistent there, then over a longer course of time, you will see actually the improvements. Um, and that's when you then also start to really grow your, your product. So, I mean, for me, a prime example is really Avakin um, because so when I started initially as like advisor to Holly, the CEO, um, they were basically hardly doing any money. Um, and now it's a super profitable, big company making a lot of money somewhere in top 200 grossing or something like that. Um, and growing, growing, growing. We have like 2 million installs a month, um, mainly directly meaning word of mouth, uh, discovery and these kind of things. Very little user acquisition, but it's all there about content and people sharing that content, etc. That kind of drives drives also the 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 growth of the of the community there. Um, but for people to then stick around, and there we've made real great improvements over over the years. Actually, is to kind of focus on retention. Okay, how do we how do we keep them uh, keep the app alive? How do we make sure that there is always new content, that there are events there that people can participate in, all these kind of things? Um, that's what makes an app grow um, and just not giving up on that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Now, the other thing I want to point out that's on the, it's your blog, and I'll link to that too, it's targetgamers.net, but you talk about like why indie developers are going to be the future. And I know there's a lot of people, the future of the app economy, a lot of people in my audience that are more indie developers. So one, do you still feel that way? Because this was published back in 2016, Oliver. And two, like, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I do I do still think that um, real innovation can only come from indie, um, but not the kind of indie that just clones what is out there. Yes. Uh, um, and unfortunately, there are a lot of companies and people, or not companies, but people out there that just clone what is out there call themselves indie and um, and somehow make make some kind of living from that. You have to be, you know, if you want to be a true indie, I think you have to also have that ambition to innovate something, to kind of try something new, try something different. Um, you may fail, but yeah, at the, at the end of the day, that's where the chances are that you can actually land a huge success. And I think there are, there are still and will always be examples of, small studios, small teams that suddenly seem to be hitting gold um, out of nowhere. And actually, they don't really come out of nowhere. It's it's just kind of uh, trying something different, uh, trying something new, 
Um, because also gamers want new experiences. They don't want to play yet another match three game or yet another empire building game. They also want kind of new concepts and new, new things to try. Um, so, and the big studios will not take those kind of risks very often. I love it. And it's so true with back to your persistence. Like I've talked to the guys who've made color switch and crossy road. Like it was color switch. He was like a valet at the time and doing just random odd jobs. And it was like his 40th game that he finally put together and just sort of hit. Right. And then same with Matthew Hall. It's like, he's been looking at games and designing games since he was 12. And then boom, like you said, Oliver, they seem like they came out of nowhere, but in reality, they've been working on these for a very, very long time. Yeah. All right, Oliver, anything you want to add before we hit the big finish? No, I think that's good. Awesome. Well, before we hit the big finish, I do want to thank my last sponsor, fanbytes.com. And it's the cool way, the cool geeky way of spelling bytes. But fanbytes.com, they work with Snapchat influencers to help you drive low-cost downloads. And how they do it is they've come up with this perfect secret ad sandwich for formula where they'll create the actual ad for your game or your app and then use their Snapchat influencers where they'll do a little pre-roll ad. Hey guys, this is Steve. I want to tell you about this great game that's coming up. And you're going to see that next as an ad. And then say on the last one, you say, hey guys, wasn't that cool? Go check it out. Swipe up if you want to download Akakin Life right now. And that's how they do it. That's how they've been able to find so much success with Snapchat influencers and drive low-cost CPIs. Like I'm talking under 50 cent CPIs at scale. That's why they came on to the sponsor because I was like, hey, you guys want to check them out? And I told the client that he's been spending a lot of money on there and they came on as a sponsor because they know they can drive it. And I've seen it. I've used them myself with other clients as well. I've seen it done through there as well. So go check them out. It is fanbytes.com. If you're looking for another growth channel besides Facebook advertising, it is fanbytes.com. Oliver, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app? We definitely have to check out. Um, well, my currently favorite app um, is a cool uh, game called uh, Trailer Park Boys um, nice. by Eastside Games from Vancouver. Um, so they started with uh, um, hemp growing games um, and they have this Trailer Park Boys game. And it's an idle game, but I've been playing it now for almost a year. Um, and I really, I, I, they also do events par excellence uh, really, really, really well. Uh, it's good fun, and I basically I always come back for every every single event. Um, yeah, is that's that, my favorite. This is what the best job that we have. Like we can just play games. My wife's like, "What do you What do you have that?" App? I'm like, "This is what I do. <laughs> I'm in the app space. I have a bunch of these apps all the time." The what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh, that's a that's a really hard one. The longest to learn. Um, well, I think it's still a lesson that I'm trying to learn every day is to kind of um, not, yeah, not take a no for an answer. Um, just not, you know, just not say, saying like, okay, just because it's been like this for the last few years, it's going to continue to be like that. Um, that is still something that I'm always trying to learn um, to, to, to just uh, challenge also status quo and, um uh, and trying, 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 trying on all levels. 
Awesome. The no better way to end it than that. The website is lockwoodpublishing.com. If you want to check out the app, it is Akavin. I always say, I feel like I'm saying it wrong, Oliver, but Akavin Life, like Avatar Av- Kin. Avakin. Avakin Life. See, it's the emphasis that I'm putting it on too much, but Avakin Life. Go check it out in the app stores. And if you want to learn more about Oliver, it is targetgamers.net. Oliver, anywhere else you want to send the audience? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm speaking actually uh, at Mobile Growth Summit in Berlin, um, and I'm doing a panel at uh, Pocket Gamer in Helsinki, nice. Um, nice. both of them around LifeOps. Um, so yeah, it would be great to say hello if you're there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Oliver. I really appreciate you coming out and taking the time to do this. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.